This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called How to Attract Strangers and Convert Them into High-Paying Customers. That's what my guest today, Craig Andrews, helps his clients do through his company, Allies for Me. Craig is the principal ally and founder of the agency, which uses a proven method that mimics the stages of courtship. When done right, a first-time offer is like a coffee date that accelerates high-ticket sales. Craig and I will discuss how to do it right. Craig Andrews, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Tom, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this, excited about our conversation. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have you here. We are, I think, uh, peas from uh, uh, the same pod. We, we approach marketing in very similar ways. We both run uh, businesses where we help our clients uh, grow their businesses. And, and I know in talking to you before we pressed the record button and started the episode, that you were beginning to share with me a, a story that really forms the basis for why first-time offers are, are so critical in marketing. And I wanted you to share that story because it, it really is a moving one. Yeah, so coming up on the two-year anniversary, I walked in to the hospital and this uh, was during COVID, during the Delta variant of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I walked up to the desk and I said, I'm having trouble breathing, except I had to stop and take a breath several times just to get that sentence out. And they immediately pulled me back behind the curtains, put me on oxygen. A few seconds later, I, I heard my wife on the other side of the curtain saying, where's my husband? Where's my husband? And they said, ma'am, you have to leave because they weren't letting family in the hospital. Mm. And she was really upset. And they said, no, you must leave. You must go out and wait in the car. Now, I live in Texas and it was August. Not mm -hmm. a great time to wait in the car. And I didn't know it at the time, but it would be another two months before I would see my wife. Wow. Yeah, she'd see me sooner, uh, but I was in a coma uh, because 11 days later, uh, one night they, uh, they decided to shoot me full of morphine and that apparently suppresses respiration. And she got a call in the middle of the night saying, we need to put your husband on the ventilator. And uh, they said, by the way, he's probably going to die. Uh, they gave her virtually no chance of survival uh, to the point that at one point they even had her meet with hospice to plan the day they'd pull the plug. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but she, um, and they kept telling her, you can't visit him. And she said, wrong answer. And <laughs> I'm so thankful for that. 
Uh, She kind of bullied her way in. They gave her an hour a day. And so one hour a day, she would come to me and she would uh, sing to me and she'd pray over me and she'd say words of encouragement. And, um, and six weeks later, I, I woke up, Hmm. but something really interesting happened uh, during those six weeks, my trust in the doctors plummeted Mm. while my trust in my wife went through the roof all Mm. while I was in a coma. And when I first woke up, my brain was really scrambled. You know, it took at least a a week and a half for me to sort of start thinking clearly, but not very much. And the, uh, the doctors would come by and they'd want to do something. And in my clouded thinking, all I knew was I didn't trust them. And the answer was no. So they would go to my wife and they'd say, hey, we want to do this. And she'd come to me and she'd say, Craig, the doctors want to do this. And I'd ask her, is it safe? And she said, yeah. Mm. And I was like, okay. And so in, in hindsight, the things they were asking were immensely reasonable. But all I knew was I didn't trust these people. Yeah. And about, um, about a week and a half to two weeks after I woke up, I started realizing that um, I there were some memory issues I'd had, and there were I'd I'd been having a series of dreams while I was out. I had dreams, and it turns out the dreams reflected reality. So things that people were saying to me came through to my dreams, usually in a distorted context. And so I asked my wife. Uh, I said, hey, I'm going to tell you some things. and I need you to tell me if they're true or not. And I said, have we been to Louisiana? And she said, no, Uh, because in my world, that's where I was. I was in some resort in Louisiana where they would spray raw cow's milk at my face and would make me feel better. (laughs) And I told her, I said, well, at one point you came in, you put your hand on my shoulder and you said, Craig, this is Karen. I'm your wife. It's going to be okay. And Karen sat back and she looked at me and she said, Craig, I said those exact words when you were in your coma. After I got out of the hospital, I was processing this. I was like, what happened during those six weeks? And people were talking around me and the doctors were saying messages of death and despair Mm. while my wife was speaking words of life and hope into me. And all of a sudden it clicked. It reminded me of this Maya Angelou quote that says, people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Yep. And the way the doctors made me feel was one way in my coma. The way my wife made me feel much different. Yeah. And it hit me, you know, we've been doing first time offers for a number of years. And I was like, oh my goodness. This is yet another reason why these things work so well, right. because what it is, it's, it's like a little mini project. If, you know, if you're an agency or a coach or a, a consultant you know, and you have a high ticket thing, the hard problem is getting them to agree to pay your outrageous fees um, because they don't know there's so much uncertainty. And so we, we kick off everything with a little first time offer that brings people in and we solve a small problem for them and it hit me it was like that's that maya angelo quote when you come along some by 
and go shoulder to shoulder and help them solve a problem in their life, it builds trust faster than any method I know. Yeah. Yep. And, and so... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So anyway, no, it just... That was kind of the moment of clarity. I mean, when I got out, I was in the hospital three months. I took the rest of the year off to recover. And th those were the things that were started hitting me was, you know, I, I built these first time offers years ago as a matter of necessity because I absolutely suck at sales. I'm a horrible salesperson. <laughs> and at one point I was like, I got to do something different. Got to put food on the table. And, yeah. uh, and I thought, well, if I can't sell, let me create an environment where people want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. And then in doing that, you know, started piecing it together and trial and error. And some things I knew why they worked, other things like this, they came to me in hindsight. I'm like, oh, that's another reason why these work so well. Yeah. Yeah. So give it give me an example. You were talking about coaches, consultants, authors, those sorts of, of folks whom I also work with. Give me an example of a first time offer that you would orchestrate with them for them that does this that draws people in that builds trust that's like that first coffee date that then leads to something bigger yeah well i am i'm going to be doing this from memory i usually have some slides to help me walk through it but when we have somebody come to us that wants a first time offer built because we practice what we preach we don't say hey sign this big contract Right. We have something that's stupidly cheap. I mean, stupidly cheap. Mm -hmm. And um, well, let me give the components and they'll give the offer and see if, see if sure. you can connect the dots. So it has to be an impulse purchase. That means the coins in the cushion, the couch, or your money in your wallet, or the B2B equivalent. If anybody has to ask permission to spend that money, it's priced too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing is it has to deliver a disproportionate amount of value to price. Mm -hmm. And we usually aim for 10x. So mm -hmm. if we're doing, you know, usually our B2B offers are around 500 bucks. You know, mm -hmm. again, impulse purchase. For that $500, we're trying to deliver $5,000 of true value. Not right. this Mickey Mouse value where, you know, your mom complimented you on how smart you were and you thought that was worth 2,000 bucks. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, legit serious street value five thousand dollars of value um it has to solve a problem and that's so essential that is the biggest trust building mechanism in it solving a problem an audit does not solve a problem right. audit just reveals the problems that are there and you may say well no worries we do an assessment assessment is a nice word for an audit mm -hmm. and you have to solve a problem but the balance is you want to leave the big problems unsolved so they advance to your core offer, your high ticket offer, and you want to naturally lead to that. So those are some of the components. We would also say it should have a minimum of three and maximum of five deliverables, and there should be a workshop component of it. So an example would be um, for somebody that wants to build a first time offer, and we're trying to figure out if we can help them or not. Uh, we do a mini project and the first deliverable is we build the transformation language around a, a persona. We help them build a persona for a real person that represents a customer. And we believe you should sell the transformation, not the product or service, because right. what people really want is transformation. 
So we help them map that out. Uh, I've got a guy that bought that. We're going to talk this afternoon. Um, He unfortunately spent money on a a website um, selling something that nobody wants. (laughs) He has valuable skills uh, and he's having to pivot those. And we got through with that exercise. And I said, John, don't go pay somebody to go build another website until you get people paying you money for what you do. Take your existing website. Here's the language. Rework your existing website with this language to talk about the transformation that you deliver and start working that. Once you start selling and listening to customers, you'll figure out some of the other things and we can work later if that makes sense. But that's something that's the first deliverable. Yeah. The second deliverable is we break all that all that they do into kind of the smallest deliverable chunks that deliver value. Mm-hmm. And we map it onto a grid that we call the ping gain time grid. Mm-hmm. So you can take anything you sell and it either removes an immediate pain, mm-hmm. avoids a future pain, mm-hmm. delivers immediate gain or promises future gain, right? Now, Tom, you and I are in the business of future gain. Mm-hmm. Give us money today. You're going to get money tomorrow. That is yep. the hardest thing in the world to sell. And so if you want a first time offer to work, you have to be focused on immediate pains. Yep. So when we take, because that's the easiest thing to sell. Yep. Hardest thing is future gain. Easiest thing to sell is the removal of immediate pain. Yeah. So we start identifying what they have that will remove an immediate pain. And we put it in that quadrant. And that's kind of our fishing ground to start looking at what to put the offer together. Mm-hmm. So that's the second deliverable. Uh, the third deliverable is a, a speed index, a first-time offer delivery speed index. You know, So once you present these things and you present them, you don't sell them, you just present them. Um, once you present this, if somebody says, yes, I want that, the more time you let lapse between the time they say yes and the time they have an invoice in their hand that they can pay, um, the lower it's the the worst it's going to perform. So we benchmark their systems against uh, best in class and actually make recommendations on how to improve their speed index. That's the third deliverable. The fourth deliverable is a lot of people worry that, hey, if I'm selling this thing stupidly cheap, people are going to see us as being low value or discount or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've never had that problem. And after I heard a few customers say that, I was like, okay, they're worried. And I think they're worried for good reasons. Why haven't I had this problem? And I went back and I re-engineered, you know, you know, look, re-engineered the process and I realized, oh, here's what it takes to make sure that that's not an issue. So mm-hmm. the fourth deliverable is we give them a guide to how to make sure that it's not um, perceived as low value and we have some right. customization for them. And then the fifth deliverable is a sales playbook on how to sell it because remember I said, you don't sell it, you just present it. The traditional sales playbooks don't work with us. So that's right. an example of a mini project. We do all that for 497. It's worth thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's very valuable. And your approach is very aligned with how I see a different vocabulary, slightly different framework. But at the heart of what you're talking about, 
going back to your story, is trust, building immediate trust. And the right way to build immediate trust is to demonstrate that you know them, you understand them. So that's what you were talking about when you talk about the prospect persona, that, that you're identifying whom you're trying to reach, you're setting up that grid, those, you know, what are the pains that they're feeling? What are the pains they wish to avoid now and in the future? What are the gains they wish to achieve now and in the future? And the more that you're able to articulate that, the more they're thinking, wow, you get me. And, yeah. and if a prospect says, wow, you get me, well, they know, like, and trust you back. And they're going to say, all right, well, you've, you've got it pretty well nailed what I'm trying to fix and what I'm trying to achieve. How are we going to do it? And when a prospect is feeling or explicitly saying, how are we going to do it? Now, you know, you said earlier that you're lousy at sales. Well, it's no longer about the old sales playbook of pitch the product and, you know, address objections and all, all that kind of stuff. Now you're just answering a question from somebody who knows, likes, and trusts you and says, how are we going to do this? Well, let me explain. We have this other product. We have this service that, and, and it's high priced. Well, they're already leaning in. You've already won. Uh, I don't want to use the word battle because it's not combat. It's, no. it's coming together in a trusting and, and mutually beneficial 360 degree way. So I love the approach and, and, um, and I can understand why it works. And, and, you know, we have somebody who recently went through one of our little first time offers Yep. Uh, who, you know, we really don't sell after that. We don't sell. We, yep. and it's funny. I, I, we ship them a binder with the results and we held them, uh, hold a meeting and I send them the binder and I say, send them an email saying, here's the link, just book a meeting and we'll go through this. Yep. I don't chase them down. I had this company, they booked a meeting, got everybody on it. And on the meeting, they said, Craig, um, we've been talking to management. We need your help. Mm-hmm. We want to bring in, how do we work together? Mm-hmm. This is them asking me. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, how about this? Let's have a meeting next week and we'll work out. We'll figure out some um, ways to do that. And so we did that. And then in the meeting, um, I break all the sales rules. I don't get agreement on our next meeting before ending that. I don't you know, do the follow-ups. I go back to basically ignore phase. And then this email pops up. Craig, we want to let you know, we haven't forgotten about you. We've got this little summit going on. Um, then we're having a meeting on August 4th. And what after that meeting, you're going to hear back from us. I mean, yeah. it's like the opposite of sales. It's I added value to their life. I mm-hmm. proved that I cared about their business. I cared about their success and that I could bring something to the table that they can't do themselves. And so you don't have to sell. That, that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think that the thing that you and I understand and that we're articulating here <clears throat> is that so many people, especially coaches, consultants, professional service providers, really feel as if sales and to a certain extent marketing feels to them like it's kind of a dirty game. 
you know, yeah. feels a little bit sleazy, feels a little bit yucky. They don't want to be associated with the used car salesman. You know, right. Pardon me if you're a used car salesman listening, yeah. to, this, <laughs> listening to this podcast, but um, they, they fear that they're going to be that, that salesperson who's pitching and prodding and annoying and I understand that, you know, you don't, you don't want to feel that way. You don't want to come off that way, but right. leading with trust and building rapport is, as you've said, that wipes away all of that. It turns the whole process on its head. Uh, great marketer, Dan Kennedy oh. talked about the power of great marketing being all about transforming you from the un. Uh, from the un, excuse me, from the pitchy past to the welcome guest, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I you love know. that. I, I yeah. you know, I've read a bit of Dan Kennedy. I haven't heard that the yeah. pitchy past to the welcome guest. That that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and that's and that's what you're talking about. And it all begins with your your story in the hospital is so powerful that. You know, your wife knew you and knew even when you're lying there in a coma that a hand on the shoulder and I'm here, you're not alone, everything is going to be okay. That's what you needed to hear at that point. And that connection was, was it was already built, but that bond was uh, strengthened even more as a result. And meanwhile, doctors are orbiting around you talking about death and destruction yeah um it's no wonder you woke up feeling the way you did toward them versus how you felt toward your wife and it carries over into marketing it's a it's a great story for demonstrating the point well and, and something you said a second ago um about the slimy methods and what have you uh i was talking to somebody friday mm -hmm. who recently uh we we helped them build their first time offer and he's like, Craig, it's made, it's, he said, it's absolutely transformed my business. He said, it's improved my emotions. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if you're doing sales, you know, you have great weeks where you're killing it and you have bad weeks where you're not. And he's like, the bad weeks went away. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it's helped me just feel better as a person. Yep. Because, and he's like, and I'm genuinely helping people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the exciting thing. I mean, it, you know, and for me, it's just discouraging, you know, um, proposal after proposal, sales pitch after sales pitch, mm -hmm. uh, doing all the work, you know, getting the eventual, uh, thank you for submitting, we've decided to go a different route. Uh, those days are gone. Right, right. Yeah, so you were describing the initial offer that you put out there for $479. Describe in a little more detail what an engagement with you and, and your agency looks like when you build from there and when they say, let's, let's continue and we need your help. Yeah, so if somebody needs a, a, an offer, we do that and they get a binder and they can take it and run with it if they want. They, they've, they get a complete guide on how to build these um, we found that, um, just because well, I, I told you earlier, I, my first, first time offer failed. 
my second offer failed. My third one failed a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And it took me 18 months to just sort of start getting it working. We've been perfecting it over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, we get people there faster. We believe we can get you there at least 18 months faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, you're looking at hundreds of hours, you know, 150, 200 hours of trial and error over 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um we can get you there in like less than 10 hours. And mm-hmm. so what happens if somebody moves beyond our first time offer, uh, has us help them build it, we do a little bit of message verification, uh, mm-hmm. pain verification, because if you get the pains wrong, mm-hmm. you it will not work. That is the unforgivable yep. sin of these things, getting the wrong pains. Um, trust me, I've made that mistake. Yep. It feels horrible. Yeah. And by the way, let me let me cut you off there because I want to ask your opinion on something. We didn't talk about this before we started the call. I think that one of the most problematic aspects of this AI revolution that we're experiencing right now is that people believe that chat GPT or whatever AI robot you plug into can build a prospect persona for you. I'm in, I'm in, in industry X, uh, I sell this, I'm trying to reach clients of this demographic type, tell me what they're feeling, give me, give me the pain points. I've seen, I've I've seen so-called AI experts teach this and, you know, oh, AI is, is now your, your, your market research stand in and uh, what what you were getting at a moment ago that i've i've built on is that hey you gotta get this thing right it all rests on what i call story discovery what's your prospect story and diving deep to understand them what are the pains what are the aspirations and you have methods i have methods but I have a feeling that we would agree that one method is not just to press the easy button and say, done with story discovery. I I want the easy button to exist like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, who doesn't? <laughs> I, I'm looking for that button like uh, Ponce de Leon, looking for the fountain <laughs> of youth. If I yep. could find that button, I would sit there and hit it like a little dog that gets a treat every time you, yep. know, you, you press it. Um, but it doesn't exist. And the, the world is, uh, the world is complex. And what I would say, you know, especially for your audience, coaches, consultants, um, uh, agencies, you have a unique personality. Mm -hmm. Your customers have a unique personality. The perfect marriage just like, you know, we like them first time offers to coffee dates. You go on a coffee date to figure out there's chemistry, right? You go on the coffee date because you hope for bigger and better things, but you right. realize that may not be the outcome. You go for that. It's a way of limiting exposure. You test to see if there's chemistry. And sometimes at the end of the coffee date, you say, you know what? You're a wonderful person, but I don't think we're wonderful together. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to personas, your persona we when we when we're building one, we're building one. We ask them think of a real person that you know mm-hmm. that if you had a hundred clients just like them, life mm-hmm. would be perfect. 
right? And when we do that, we start finding elements that differentiate them. And we actually kick off the whole exercise using kind of a generic um, persona for a millennial, uh, mm -hmm. for a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And you look at it and legitimately, the internet would tell you this is a good persona. And then I show them two personas for real people who are the same age in the same industry who could not be more different. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, and you can't use this first persona to market to either of these. This right. first persona misses both. Right. When you start looking at real people, you start finding some things that are different. And so uh, we've actually helped uh, somebody who who um, enables people to be podcast hosts. Mm -hmm. And when we were doing their persona work, one of the things that came out, and I'm sure this won't surprise you, a key element to be successful in podcasting is a heart of generosity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes sense once I've seen it. Yep. But going into the work, that didn't, that wasn't clear. And guess what? When we put helped them build their first time offer, we put in a filter into the offer. One of the deliverables was to help them build their generosity offer. Right. Right. Well, guess what? Somebody who's not a generous person, that's repugnant to them. They're going to run away. Yep. They're like, oh no, I'm going to the guy that has the easy button. Yep. Because they're out there, they're making the promise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so there, there's a huge marketing idea in what you just said, which is well-crafted marketing, offer formation, and so forth, is as much about qualifying good prospects as disqualifying bad ones. So you were telling a disqualification story there. The other thing I want to emphasize here for those who are listening is that the fact that this is hard or at least harder than pressing an easy button and you know going off to the beach and lying on a hammock is good news because there are all sorts of people who are pressing what they think is the easy button. They're getting a half true, half false persona built as a result. And you who choose to hire somebody like one of us are getting that profile and that persona and that story discovery that's going to be right. And as a result, that first time offer is going to be stronger. And as a result, the whole foundation on which the rest of your marketing follows is going to be stronger. If you put in the work and the effort with the help of a good coach and consultant, uh, you're, you're watching or listening to two of them right now, you're going to end up with a more effective uh, offer, a, a competitive edge over all of those people who are just slogging about in the mushy middle of AI easy buttons. Not that AI, you know, use AI. There are all sorts of great reasons yeah. to use AI. I know that you use it. I use it. We both, uh, we both use it, but there are places where it is not going to help or where if you're over-reliant on it, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, here's something else that um, consultants, coaches, agency owners most probably know at some level, you can't mm -hmm. serve everybody. Right. 
And the sooner you can figure out if you're talking to somebody who's your ideal client, yep, the more that helps you and the more it helps them. Because yep. it's not good for them. To, it's not good for the client to hitch up with you if if they just don't mesh with your processes. Right. And and so we think really good offers do two things. They attract your ideal client while repelling your non-ideal client. So yep. let me give an example of an offer. I didn't build this. Uh, you may have read it in one of Dan Kennedy's books. And it's there was a guy named Bob Stupak who mm -hmm. bought a dumpy old hotel at the end of the Vegas Strip. Mm -hmm. It was like a Motel 6. Uh, you now know it as the Strat. It was recently the Stratosphere. And But he renamed it Bob Stupak's Vegas World. And he ran mm -hmm. special and he said, give me $396 and I will give you three days and two nights in one of my deluxe suites. Mm -hmm. When you arrive, there will be a bottle of champagne waiting for you in your room. Mm -hmm. All of your drinks on property are free, whether you're gambling or not. Mm -hmm. Even if you're sitting in one of the entertainment lounges, you pay nothing more for your drinks. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but for your $396, I will give you $600 of chips to use in my casino. Mm -hmm. So, we would call that a complex offer, which is the type of offers we build because it has four deliverables. We say a minimum of three, maximum of five. But if you look at, it, if you're the type of person that likes to drink and gamble, it's hard to say no to that offer. Yep. If you're like me, I don't gamble and I drink some nice wine, but I don't think that's what they're serving there. It's, right. it's not going to be... It's not an appealing offer to me. And so I'm probably going to turn it down and stay in another hotel in Vegas, yep. Yep. which is good for Bob Stupak because he understands the lifetime value of his customers. And he knows if he can get somebody into the casino and even better, if he can get them in there drinking, mm -hmm. he's going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And so Bob Stupak makes the most money when every room in his hotel is filled with somebody that likes to gamble and drink. So yep, he yep. doesn't want me saying yes to his offer. He wants me going away. Yeah. And so, you know, for the coaches, consultants, agency owners, I would say you need to figure out what those things are for you. And you're yep. asking how we work with people. We actually ask, what are your markers of a bad client? And we design the offer to repel them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's brilliant. And another lesson built into that story is that you have to understand that the initial offer has to be followed by a very solid high ticket offer that you're confident that they're going to, to buy. Because in this case, it's much easier to understand, wow, hotel room for whatever, what, 300, 300 bucks, uh, all those drinks, 600 bucks of chips, that's what you know, that's what marketing and sales people call a loss leader. You're already a thousand bucks plus in the hole. I mean, if you paid, if you charge market yep. rates for those rooms, who knows what you'd ordinarily be charging for them. But what you recognize is that giving away in effect a few thousand dollars worth of value. And you talk about five X or 10 X of, of value in the initial offer you're providing so much of, of that value because you know that on average, those people are going to 
generate so much revenue in chips that they're pushing across the table or that are, that the dealer is scraping across the table into the casino's coffers. The high ticket offer has to work as well. You have to be solid in whatever it is you're yeah. selling or else all you're doing is underselling yourself and, and, and losing money. So the two are <laughs> running a nonprofit, whether you intended to or not. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's, no, and that's so key. And, and the, um, yeah, I've found accountants uh, find this whole concept repugnant. The, the yeah. accountants just, it, it breaks their brains and I haven't been able to, <laughs> yeah, yep. I haven't been able to carry, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's yeah. an accountant. I know I, I love the guy. He took care of my family when I was in the hospital, thank the world of him. Yeah. And earlier this year, it was February. He was talking about launching a new service where he would deliver, um, where if clients signed up for $300 a month, he would manage their books, but that would also include their tax filing and S corp mm -hmm. tax filing. Mm -hmm. And he, um, and I asked him, I said, if you had five new clients tomorrow, mm -hmm. Would you be able to service them? Would you be able to do their 2022 tax filing? Would you be able to take care of them? He said, oh yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got excess capacity. In there. Okay. Mm -hmm. I say, here's what you do. You go out to your list and say, hey, I've got a deal. If you haven't done your 2022 taxes, I'll do them for $300 if you enroll in this program. Right. And he said, oh, no, I can't do that. I'm can't like, do that. Why? He said, I'm leaving money on the table. I'm yeah. like, you're getting new customers instantly. Yeah. And he's like, and he just like, no, 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 I can't do it. Yeah. Four months later, he celebrated landing his first client in this program. Oh, wow. I'm like four months later. <laughs> tens of thousands of dollars lost. Right. right. Because you got Chisley over about $700 difference, that $700 exactly. that you were leaving on the table, that $700 cost you thousands. That is a business owner who doesn't understand the concept of lifetime value of a client. Lifetime value of a client. You know, the, 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 old, uh, um, the old football phone offer from Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Sign up for a subscription. We'll send you a phone, you know, in the shape of a football. Well, the, their cost for that phone is greater than the revenue they got from the one-year subscription. Yeah. But what they understood is that the vast majority of people who sign up, get that phone and get a subscription are going to renew the subscription and renew it again and renew it again, and then buy a book and then buy another thing and tell their, their friend about it. And the lifetime value of that relationship far exceeds the lost lead the cost of the the cost of the football phone, or in the accountant's case, the cost of of selling tax prep for three hundred bucks instead of a thousand bucks, whatever, yeah. uh, whatever that deal would have been, um, short sighted. But your your point is so well taken, and it really underscores the whole principle that you're talking about here: a good, strong first time offer, even if you are selling it at a price that kind of makes your stomach grumble a little bit, you're ultimately building a business and maximizing lifetime value of customer relationships. It's a smart approach. 
you have a great framework for doing it. And that leads into the question of, well, if someone's listening or watching right now, how can they find you, Craig? So they can come to our website, alliesforme.com. That's spelled A-L-L-I-E-S, the number four, M-E.com. And there's ways to contact us there. But um, Tom, I've got a gift for your audience. Yeah. And actually it's two gifts. So when I built my first, first time offer, I told you the first one failed, the second one failed, and the third one failed a little bit less. It's, there's a lot of mistakes. And um, I put together a guide to help people avoid some of the mistakes I made. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things they'll get. The other thing is we give them 23 days access to the course, self-paced course to build their first time offer. Uh, And the reason we do 23 days um, is, yeah, our courses aren't money makers for us. It's not, you know, we're not worried about lost profit. We're worried about changing lives. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I know is if you sign up for a free course, because you listen to this podcast, you're going to sign up and you're going to say, I'll go through the course next month or the month after that. And enough time will pass and you'll never do it. Your life will not be changed. And what I found is if we put that 23-day limit on there, people come in, they consume the content, they start putting it to work, their lives start changing. So that's why we have 23 days. It's plenty of time to get through the course. Beautiful. Yep. And what's the address for them to get those gifts? So they go to alliesforme.com slash story power. Beautiful. Lowercase, all one word. Allies for me. That four is the number four. Alliesforme.com slash story power. Craig, greatly appreciate that offer. Greatly appreciate your insights today. Been a great pleasure to spend some time with you and to hear your approach to, to marketing. As I said, I think we see eye to eye on so much and I really do appreciate uh, what you bring to the table. For those of you who have stuck with us to the end of this episode, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, for watching. And if you want more, go to the store, go to storypowermarketing.show where you can find other episodes, show notes from all of the episodes, links to the podcast on Apple on Spotify and so forth. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast player you use, please, if you enjoyed what you heard, go and give us a five-star rating. That way, other people will discover this podcast. You'll share the gift that you have experienced in listening to Craig and, and the other guests that we have on the show. For more from Story Power Marketing, go to storypowermarketing.com where there are free resources, trainings, and you can sign up for my week daily emails where I practice what I preach, creating content that captivates and inspires and will help you discover how to do the same. So thank you again, Craig. Really enjoyed our time together. Thank you again for the gift. Alliesforme.com slash story power. And we'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, 
and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>